In today's video, we're going to be exploring the position group that many scouts think may be the best in this entire draft class, and that's the tight ends. See, in 2021, we had superstars like Kyle Pitts, impact makers like Pat Fryermuth, and developmental hopefuls like Brevin Jordan and Hunter Long, amongst others. But in this draft class, it's saying a lot to think that this group may be the strongest out of all of the position groups that we could see in this draft class. I'm your host, Abhi Gupta. Thanks for watching today's video. You can catch me on Twitter at RealAbhiGupta. And if you're trying to catch up on everything NFL draft, make sure to check out our other videos on the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs from this draft class, which you can find on our channel at The Breakout. Now, let's get started taking a look at these tight ends. Now, tight ends are definitely an interesting group to evaluate because unlike wide receivers, they're not as formulaic to understand. Running backs and even quarterbacks, we can watch film and get an understanding of how well they're going to do in the NFL. But tight ends, unlike all of those other position groups, can have a very long lead time before actually realizing their potential. Generally, the rule of thumb for tight ends is that you need to be able to give them at least three years to develop into the NFL and into the players that they're going to be. For instance, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, even Darren Waller weren't the players that we know them to be today until they had a couple of years to develop, Gronkowski on the shorter end and Waller on the longer end. And so when we're looking at tight ends and even the function that they perform in an NFL offense, we have to remember that it's not just their receiving yards or their rushing yards or things that we can quantify with numbers. Instead, we have to be taking a look at a much broader holistic approach. Things like how well do they block, specifically run blocking and pass blocking. How well do they catch? Are they really skilled at being able to run short routes? Are they red zone threats? Are they vertical? Are they very, very physical and athletic guys? Are they guys that are able to run in long strides? How much playing time are these guys going to see on the field? And so accordingly, when we take a look at these players, we need to be taking a look at just about everything that these players do on the field to understand how much time that they're going to be spending on the field, what sort of areas they need to develop in order to realize that potential, and what sort of schemes they're going to need to fit into in order to realize that potential that we think we're seeing today with these raw prospects. And so with that, let's dive right into my honorable mentions. The first guy that I want to mention is Garrett Prince, tight end out of University of Alabama, Birmingham. Now Prince is a specific case that I want to bring up because he has an exceptionally high yards after catch per reception and average depth of target. This really signifies to us is that he is someone who is already targeted deep down the field, but then also makes something happen when he has the ball in his hands. So he's not just a vertical threat or a downfield threat, but once he has the ball in his hands, he's actually making an impact. Specifically, he has a 13.1 yard average depth of target, which is really, really high compared to a lot of guys that I'm going to have on my list. He also has a 3.14 yards per route run, which means that he's not running really short, really shallow routes, but if his average is above 3 yards, that means that his route tree is probably really, really complex. And I think that that's really important to call out because what that signifies is that while this guy didn't go to a big name school, he is having impact and he's really, really efficient. And so when you, you know, are in the Super Bowl and you hear about some guy who kind of came out of nowhere and you wonder, wow, how did Sean McVay or 
Bill Belichick find this random guy from some random university? Well, a lot of times they're looking at these efficiency metrics or certain skill sets or certain uh, functionalities within an offense that a guy is going to do really, really well in. And this guy should be on your radar for that very reason. Specifically, he came from wide receiver land and converted into a tight end. And so this is really apparent in the fact that, you know, he's a willing blocker, but he's not super powerful. He's not super versatile when it comes to blocking. And I think this is important to call out because when we look at a guy like Garrett Prince, he's going to be leveraged really, really well in an offense that's going to be asking him to run routes, to be a receiving threat, and ultimately all things said, he's going to be a sleeper value for those of you who play dynasty football and need someone to draft in the fourth round. I think that you should be keeping your eyes out for this guy because all of the metrics scream impact. Peyton Hendershot, tight end out of the University of Indiana. Hendershot is a senior who is 6'4", 250 pounds, and is approaching 23 years of age. In his senior season, he had 46 catches, 543 yards, and four touchdowns. Now, all things said, Hendershot does have talent, but I need to be really, really straight up with you why this guy is on my list and why he is so low. Hendershot has a lot of personal issues that we need to be cognizant of when we're evaluating him in the NFL draft process. He had domestic abuse issues that were highlighted and nearly cost him his football career. And I want to just begin by saying that that is a massive red flag for me and I don't even know how I feel about necessarily putting him on my list as someone you should watch. However, we also know how the NFL really views these types of issues, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some team completely wash over, you know, the fact that these allegations came in uh, and, and quote-unquote, give him a second shot. But, you know, this is really important to call out because these types of issues will follow a player for the entire duration of their NFL career, even if it happened years and years ago. Look at Joe Mixon, right? Even though he is an uber-talented guy, uh, we still do hear about those things that he did, those terrible, terrible allegations. And Peyton Hendershot doesn't have the same amount of talent as Joe Mixon. Uh, and so that's why this is a massive issue that you need to be aware about when you're evaluating the player. Now, when we bring it to what's going on on the football field, his strongest trait is really the yards after catch ability. He isn't going to beat defenders based on his route running ability, but when he does get the ball, it is schemed in by design of the offense. He is able to make an impact through chunk plays, and this past season, he had his highest PFF grade ever at 84.2. Scouts do say that he has the potential to be an impact player in, in the NFL, and he just needs to have that talent uncovered. But he's going to need a lot of time. He's one of those players that I feel is going to require quite some time in developmental rooms, ending up in scenarios where he is going to have the opportunity to develop, where a coaching staff is going to try and refine his game, and he's going to have a long lead time. In fact, he might be pushing up to that three-year area where you know we can truly evaluate what he's going to be after all of that time. When we take a look at his blocking ability, he's pretty marginal there too. It's not an area that NFL teams right now are going to rely on, it's really not one of his core strengths. And this is a massive area where he's going to need to improve his game when coming into the NFL to see the field more often than not. And a lot of that is due to the fact that he has lower end strength as certain scouts describe it. 
The final thing that I'd like to note about this player is that he regressed in a shortened 2020 season, and while he did bounce back and return to his career high stats in 2021, the fact that he regressed so hard in 2020, and this is looking at a per game basis, not looking at, you know, his aggregate stats, he regressed in a per game status. I do find that concerning. And so the main reason that he's on my list is because scouts feel like he has a lot of raw potential. And because of that, I think that he is likely to get a shot either as a late round draft pick or as a UDFA. And because of that, I think that if you are uh, taking a look at what your team might do uh, just in terms of developmental players, he might be someone who ends up on your team or on your practice squad. Next is Greg Dulcich tight end out of University of California, Los Angeles. Now, this guy is also a senior, 6'4", 250, and he's almost 22 years old. In his senior season, he performed pretty decently, 43 receptions, 725 yards, and 5 touchdowns. Pretty modest stat line. However, this guy really popped this past week during the Senior Bowl and across these practices. There are guys like Trey McBride, Isaiah Likely, Jalen Weidermeyer who are getting all of the attention in this draft class. But why I want to call out this guy is for the same reason that I called out Garrett Prince. He is a monster when it comes to yards after catch per reception and average depth of target. In fact, putting the same graphic up, you can see that this guy is making an impact and he is an outlier value again that you should be paying attention to. Now, let's take a look at exactly what he brings to the table. He's huge. He has a really technical route tree that allows him to pick the advantages that he needs against the defenders that he's playing against. If he's playing against faster defenders, he can use his wingspan in order to give him an advantage, catch the ball anywhere around that defender uh, because he's just such a big guy. And if he's on a bigger defender, someone who's stronger, who's bigger, think maybe linebackers or even you know some safeties, he has the speed and the release ability to get a step and body those you know, defenders. And that allows him to create these throwing windows that makes it an assured catch if the ball is thrown his way. What do we hear all the time about these quarterbacks who find success in the NFL? They have security blanket tight ends. They have someone to go to in a time of crisis. And this guy has the potential to become a player that is that for a quarterback? Many scouts think that he is already pro-ready, and he's going to be that quote-unquote nightmare matchup that a lot of modern offenses are looking to create, where you're able to identify what coverage the defense is running, and then you're able to move and motion guys around so that you're able to get the best matchup for your tight end on the worst possible defender. And ultimately speaking, he's ready to make noise in the NFL. He has an average depth of target around 12, indicating that again, like Garrett Prince, he's used vertically and he's making catches down the field. Ultimately speaking, this guy, again, is one of those sleeper values that you need to be keeping your eye on. But for all we know, by the time the draft season comes, he might not be a sleeper anymore. Cade Otten, tight end out of Washington. Now this Husky is six foot six, 240 pounds, and approaching 23 years of age. He had a 21.4 breakout age, and in this past season, he had a pretty modest 28 receptions, 250 yards, and just one touchdown. But the pros with this guy is that he's a really good run blocker, 
and he's really willing to get down into the trenches and do the dirty work, which a lot of teams love to rely on. And that's going to bode really well for him in the NFL. He also has the size, the technique, the usage to be leveraged in really diverse running games. Hello, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, this guy, he's, he loves players who are willing to block for his running scheme. In the passing game, Cade Otten is, you know, he's decent. He has a good catching radius. He's able to use his hands in order to take the, take the ball out of the air, pluck it out of the air. And his large size allows him to take advantage of those smaller linebackers. And he has the football IQ to leverage the spacing that occurs in zone defenses or to get a step on his defender uh, when they're playing man. And it's really clear based on the way that he runs his routes. But the cons against Kate Otten are simply that he is just a guy, a jag, when it comes to his athletic ability. His stats aren't super appealing, as you can see, and he doesn't generate a lot of separation at the top of his routes. So we're really relying on this guy to be able to come down with contested balls a lot of the time, which, you know, when you're not athletically superior to a lot of the defenders that you're talking about, that does leave a little bit of concern for any scout bringing this player into their team. His PFF grade also peaked his junior year at 82.4 and then dropped really hard his you know, following year in 2021 to 65.9. And it seems like these metrics last year peaked because the Pac-12 played such few games and so therefore we have a very small sample size. And when you take a look at like even the number of routes that he ran, two years ago he ran 95 receiving routes and last year he ran 235 routes. So ultimately when he ran more and we got more data, those metrics reduced, signaling that we just got a odd sampling based on you know the data from the, the COVID shortened season. His yards per run route were also pretty low. We're looking at about 1.06. And for comparison, uh, you know, two guys that I'm going to mention later on, Trey McBride and Jalen Weidermeyer, were closer to 1.5 and 1.9 yards. After his first game this season, he also really never recovered in terms of his impact in the offense. Against Montana, he had eight catches in week one, and then he never surpassed four catches again in that offense. It is possible that Kate Otten, like Jeremy Ruckert, was just underutilized or insufficiently utilized by his team. And in the NFL, you know, a lot of scouts do like Kate Otten, and we did like him as a prospect coming out of high school. But as of right now, for what we know about Kate Otten, I think that he has the ability to be a serviceable tight end, like a lower tight end two for a team, and his main utility will be in blocking. Take a look at like Drew Sample, um, who also came out of the University of Washington. This guy has the ability to be a great pass catcher, but it never really developed. And with Otten, I think that his main utility will be in run blocking, and it'll be unlikely that teams will look for him as a receiving option unless they're absolutely desperate. Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin. Jake Ferguson is a senior who is 6'5", 244 pounds, and 23 years old. In his senior season, he had 43 receptions, 417 yards, and two touchdowns. And he had a breakout age of 19.6, which is really, really early. I think what's cool about Jake Ferguson is that he was producing in a low passing volume offense. And despite that, we did see improvement in his game across his career. 
In fact, two years ago, his PFF grade was 66.2. Last year, it improved to 78.3. And then this past year, it was all the way up to 85.2. We're seeing that upward trajectory. That's something that I love to see. His average yards run per route was 1.68. And he's a pretty big impact in the yards after catch situation. In fact, it was pretty consistently around five yards after catch per reception, which is really, really high. So when he's running these routes, they're a little bit higher, a little bit deeper than these other guys. And he's also making an impact on the field. It's not as deep as the other guys that we mentioned where their A dot is all the way out to 12, 13 yards. But what you can trust is that if he's catching the ball, he's going to bull you over and he's going to try and get those extra yards, which is something that you always love to see in terms of things that they can evolve and augment as they develop in the NFL. Across his entire four years in Wisconsin, he only had eight drops. In fact, his senior year, he only had one drop, which is a really, really exciting thing to see. He had four straight seasons of at least 30 catches. And again, I think that this is really important to highlight because he was in a really poor passing offense. I mean, Wisconsin isn't known for their really, really dynamic quarterbacks after Russell Wilson nearly 10 years ago. So the fact that this guy is producing consistently and is consuming a lot of their offense signals that, you know, given his circumstances, he's doing really, really well. And because the team runs a lot, he is really, really effective out of the play action when that offense chooses to do that. In the red zone, he also makes a lot of these impacts. And look, let's be real. If your team is going to run all the time, when you run play action, you're going to confuse the defense and you're going to get open. But again, they should be they should know that they should have to cover you if that is more or less your formula as an offense. And yet, despite all of that, Ferguson produced. His route tree is really complex for a guy who, you know, is going to be entering the NFL. I mean, his route tree included moves such as the dig, the stick, the out, the corner, the spot, and even the delayed flat. So from every single place that this guy could go, um, you know, within reason, I think that he has shown that he has the ability to make sharp cuts. He has the ability to leverage space and he has the ability to get open, uh, you know, with all of these different routes in his arsenal. And I think I think the most important thing that I want to call out is that because of Wisconsin's pretty mediocre passing game, he's had to learn how to use his body in order to secure the catch. And so what that means is that, well, he's always adjusting his body. He's expanding his catch radius year to year. And because of that, when the ball is coming to him, he's able to square up, he's able to reach out, and he's able to pull down the ball. Imagine what happens now when a quarterback that is able to pinpoint and accurately throw him the ball is going to be leveraging all of these skill sets that he developed in the Wisconsin offense. I think that's pretty incredible to think about. Now, the cons is that I definitely think that he is a scheme guy. He's going to see a lot of success in 11 and 12 personnel schemes. Now, for those of you who don't remember, 11 personnel and 12 personnel indicate the number of running backs and the number of tight ends that you have. The first digit, number of running backs. The second digit, the number of tight ends. So in 11 personnel, you have one running back and one tight end. And in 12 personnel, you have one running back and two tight ends. And I think that for Jake Ferguson to be successful, he's going to need to end up in a scheme that allows him to be in one of those two offenses. He does have limitations with his overall amount of strength, and I think that this is an important thing to call out because scouts have been complaining about Ferguson's strength 
for years. And as he's been playing, he hasn't been able to leverage his strength in order to be a reliable blocker or to blow past defenders in vertical or seam routes. So ultimately speaking, he is really technical and he's able to make an impact because of that, but he still needs to be able to uh, upgrade his strength and his ability to be consistent in the blocking game. But he can be a security blanket for a quarterback in the NFL down the line. Jeremy Ruckert tight end for Ohio State. You might know Ruckert from the mesmerizing catches that he made in the college football playoff last year against Clemson where he caught two touchdowns or the one-handed grab that he made in the title game last year. Now, Ruckert is a senior who's 6'5", 250 pounds, and is 21 and a half years old. His breakout age was 20.1, and he produced pretty modest numbers, 26 receptions, 209 yards, three touchdowns. And I think all things said, scouts really feel like Ruckert was done a disservice by the scheme that he was at in Columbus. You see, he moves people in his blocking game. He's able to move players when run blocking. And he, in fact, recorded nine big-time blocks in 2021, according to PFF. Many of the highlights that you're going to see of Ruckert have to do with the fact that he's just a big, muscular guy, and because of that, he's able to be really, really strong, aggressive, effective, and willing in the pass blocking and the run blocking game. However, many scouts, again, don't really feel like Ruckert got a fair shot because of the scheme at Ohio State, and his stats don't really reflect the type of player that he could be in the NFL. To give you an idea, Ohio State all things said, had about 11.7% of all receptions go to tight ends. And that kind of makes sense when you're looking at just even in the past year, uh, when CJ Stroud has the ability to throw to Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Henderson, and then you come to Ruckert, who is a pretty good receiver in his own right, but, you know, he's not going to get the same amount of attention from a quarterback when you have all of those other weapons. When he is targeted, though, he always comes down with the ball. He's effectively a, a vacuum. You throw him the ball, it's coming down with him. And this was really reflected in 2020, where all of his touchdowns came in the red zone. And I think that's going to be really important because a guy like him will be a red zone threat if he continues to develop his game. Now, again, because of his usage at Ohio State, his yards per route run were pretty low, 0.82 yards, um, and he's only really averaged 0.85 yards uh, per route run across his career. Ultimately, he's not running really complex, deep routes, and that's something that we really haven't been able to see or evaluate him by uh, based on his college tape. He also wasn't targeted a lot. We're talking about three targets average per game across his entire career. And from the film that we see on this guy, the places where his route running is able to really give him an advantage is when he's playing on another linebacker. Um, he's generally able to beat other backers, but his route running just doesn't have the same kind of juice that other tight ends in this class have. As he expands his route running tree, I think we can start to see him obviously running deeper routes, beating better players that are covering him, and ultimately making more of an impact. But as of right now, that is a limitation in his game, and will limit the types of ways that he's used in an offense. The final thing is that his PFF grade is lower, and it dropped from last year. 
His sophomore season, he had a 67.5 grade, last year 72, and this year 59.4. Ultimately, you want to see an upper trajectory, and all things said, 72 as a peak grade is pretty mediocre. We're looking for guys who are going to excel to be above 80. Uh, and in this case, you know, that PFF grade just isn't reflecting his caliber of player. I think the byline on Jeremy Ruckert is that he is a really good blocker, and I think teams will draft him for that as a primary use. However, when it comes to his ability to impact the passing game, it will be really dependent on the scheme that he ends up joining. Uh, if the team chooses to use him and develop him as a pass-catching tight end, then we will probably end up seeing him realize that potential. But if he returns to a scheme like how he was used at Ohio State, I just wouldn't be surprised to see him continue on the trajectory where he's at, which will be a really good blocker, but he just won't realize that pass catching potential. Cole Turner, Nevada. Cole Turner is a senior who's 6'6", 246 pounds, and almost 22 years old. He has 62 receptions, 677 yards, and 10 touchdowns in this past season. And he had a 20.5 breakout age. Now, Cole Turner is really interesting because he converted as well, like uh, Garrett Prince, from wide receiver to tight end. And this is really, really clear in the way that he makes an impact in the offense with Carson Strong at Nevada. He has a 10.3 average depth of target, which means that he's targeted down the field, and he's able to catch balls in traffic, reaching 17 catches in traffic in this past season. So that means that he's not really worried about running into guys or needing open space. He's going to go down the field and he's going to catch the ball. He's had no fumbles across the 925 passing snaps that he's had across his entire career at Nevada. And in Nevada's air raid system, he's generally lined up in the slot as the wide receiver three, kind of harkening back to his wide receiver days, and he's able to make an impact at that wide receiver three position. I mean, it all just makes sense. And when he is thrown the ball, you can see that he's very much a hand catcher as opposed to a body catcher. The reason that matters is that catch radius. If a player is a body catcher, i.e. they need to be able to catch the ball against their body and pin it, they're not going to be able to necessarily go out, reach out for the ball that is not, you know, necessarily close to them. And I think that's really important for these tight ends because the ones who are able to go down, go up, go to the side, dive, all of those types of things in order to go to the point of catch for the football. They're the ones who are going to be able to make a lot of impact and build a lot of trust with their quarterbacks. I mean, take a look at how Kelsey and Gronk do in the NFL. A lot of times they're being very acrobatic, distorting themselves, going high, going low, going side to side in order to catch the ball, laying out all of those types of things versus the, the tight ends who need to rely on the ball landing or hitting them square in the chest or something along those lines. Just the types of catches that they're going to be able to make are very, very different. And therefore, the way that they're going to be used in the offense is going to be really, really different. He can definitely play in versatile positions across an offense. I mean, we've seen him lined up in line. We've seen him flexed out. Uh, PFF sa says that in the last year, he had 58% of his snaps in the slot, 27% of the snaps out wide, and 15% in line. So he's really getting volume snaps at all of these positions across an offense. And with all of that, he's also able to drive a lot of run after catch ability. So he's able to run down the field. He's able to catch. He's able to go get the ball. And after all of that, Turner is able to run. 
and make things happen when he has the ball in his hands. And I think that bodes really well for a player like him, because that means if he can get 50-50 balls, he can be a problem, you know, that a lot of tight ends aren't unless they're in those upper echelons. And he's going to be able to beat backers and he's going to be able to beat safeties. The last thing is that this guy in man is able to create separation in defenders. So he has the route running ability and the speed in order to beat his defender if he is playing one-on-one. -on -one. And I think that bodes really well for the ability and the versatility that this player can bring to an offense. Now, he does have a little bit of a drop problem. He had three drops this season. And his blocking ability is pretty limited um, just by the fact that when you're 6'6", right? A lot of these guys are 6'3", 6'4", and even up to 6'5". Turner is 6'6". That means that he has to get down lower in order to create leverage when he's blocking. And so what does that mean? He is having, he has a much harder time gaining leverage in order to establish and maintain his blocks. He has to get lower. He has to lower his center of gravity. And for a player like him, that just means that you're going to need to put in more effort to refine your blocking technique. And you know, that might not even be an issue for him if he ends up in a scheme that really relies on, you know, having multiple wideouts or leveraging your tight end, you know, as a wide receiver three. I think we saw a lot of that from Jimmy Graham, you know, back in the early 2010s. Um, and he didn't, you know, Jimmy Graham didn't have like groundbreaking speed, but that simple mismatch allowed him to be used really well in like, you know, these offenses that um, use multiple tight ends, 12 personnel. I mean, I'm thinking about teams like you know Miami where you could have Gisecki and you could have Turner lined up side by side in Green Bay you could have Tunyon and you could have this guy uh, in Houston Brevin Jordan uh, and Cole Turner in Atlanta Pitts Turner in Denver Fant Turner like you can see where I'm going with this all of these offenses are going to be able to leverage Turner in the way that you know his skill sets really attuned to but he isn't going to need to really showcase his inability to block in the same ways that a lot of other players do. And so ultimately, you know, this guy is a passing threat as a tight end. And if he ends up in the right situation, which it's likely there are a lot of options there, he's going to make an impact. And that brings me to my top five tight ends in the 2022 NFL draft class. Charlie Kolar, tight end out of Iowa State. Charlie Kolar is a senior who is 6'6", 256 pounds, and 23 years old. He had a breakout age of 20.6, and in this past season, he had 59 catches for 731 yards and 5 touchdowns. Now, Kolar, again, has done something that I really like to see with players, which is improve each year on a per-game basis. So looking at what his stats are normalized to per-game, he has improved each year. His average yards per route run is 2.03, which is really, really high. Once we're talking about two or more yards per yards per route run, that's indicating to me that you're running these really robust routes. And he has a really high average depth of target, which is 10.7 yards. All things said, this guy is a long strider. He is able to make impact on the plays where he's able to run down the field. And so he's been really effective on plays like seams, like crossers, other downfield long striding routes. And he always comes down with these contested balls. I mean, 65% of the balls that are contested, he catches those. And that means that he is, you know, uh, again, the security blanket that we've talked about for these other players. He is also a really strong blocker. And I think that that's really important because that means that he's going to be on the field and he's going to be able to make an impact both in the run game 
and in the past game. But here is where his cons are. His big play ability is limited because his athleticism is pretty subpar. He doesn't have great leaping ability, which means that he's not able to high point the ball and jump over defenders in order to go get the ball. And, you know, that prevents him from elevating. And he, he you know, is able to get around that by leveraging, you know, just more intelligent ways of playing the game. You know, if you can't jump super high, you can time your jump so that you're able to, you know, get to the highest point at the right time with the defender and give yourself a chance. Uh, you can leverage your position so that if a defender is on your hip, you're able to box them out. Uh, you're also able to, you know, leverage the fact that, hey, if I can't jump, the best that I can do is maximize my wingspan and increase my catch radius, which is exactly what he's done. He also has a very limited run after catch ability. The way that I'd really put it is that, you know, his... He's going to come down with the ball if you throw it to him, but he's not really going to go anywhere with it. Um, he only had 226 yards of run after catch out of 731 receiving yards, which is about a third and pretty low for a tight end. And because he's not able to make those big plays, I think you can kind of view him as a one-stop shop. Uh, you know, you throw him the ball and that's probably where he's going to end up with the ball. There are some cases of like broken tackles here and there, but generally speaking, if you go and watch a highlight video for this guy, he is going to be down the field. He's going to jump. He's going to get the ball. It's going to just look a little, you know, janky, but at the end of the day, he's going to make an impact on an NFL team because he can block, he can make strides down the field, and he can come down with the ball. And I think all things said, that will lead to him making an impact on some NFL team. James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech. James Mitchell is 6'3", 252 pounds, and 22 and a half years old. In the 2020 season, he had 24 catches for 415 yards and four touchdowns, and was a dual sport athlete in high school. Now, why am I mentioning things that he did in high school and things that he did two seasons ago? Well, the thing with James Mitchell is that he really did shine and really did pop in his first two years in Virginia Tech, and we were really hoping to see some really electric stuff from him in 2021. But two games in to this season, he suffered a catastrophic knee injury that ended his season. And because of that, the tape that we're working with with James Mitchell is pretty limited. Now, when from the tape that we did see, he has some really amazing pros. He has an ADOT of 11.5 yards in 2020. He had 3.03 yards per route run and 10.1 yards after catch per reception. So that is all telling us that like he's running deep routes, he's going downfield, and when he gets space, he capitalizes on it. And that's really cool to see because he's also not just like a one-dimensional player where I'm going to do that, you know, um, from one particular side of the field or from one specific lineup. He was used all over the field. 44% of the time he was in the slot, 41.5% he was an inline tight end, and about 10% of the time he was wide. So what that means is that if he's in an offense that leverages spacing really well, uh, similar to how the Virginia Tech offense did, he's going to thrive. And, you know, teams that run schemes very similar to Virginia Tech are like the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray or the New York Jets with Zach Wilson. And I could see him making an impact in one of those offenses because he has great body control and he's able to go up and track the ball and come down with it. 
So he's going to be an impact player for Kyler as Zach Ertz gets older or for the New York Jets, who, let's be real, they don't really have a reliable tight end uh, as of right now. What are the cons? Well, with James Mitchell, at the end of the day, he has this massive injury, and we were hoping to see some really awesome things from him, but we just don't know how he's going to recover from this injury. Assuming that we really believe in the, you know, magic of modern medicine, Cam Akers coming back from an Achilles injury, which was, you know, a career ender a couple of years ago, to now being back in like four months, maybe, and I'm hoping that this player is going to be able to do really well. But as of right now, you know, his route tree is limited, he's got this injury history, and his blocking leaves a lot to be desired. He puts in the effort though, and he's able to sustain that energy in order to, you know, uh, continue developing in the blocking game. But as of right now, because of his strength and because of his blocking technique, he isn't able to be really effective and sustain blocks throughout plays. And so for him to be effective in the NFL, I think the overall byline is that, you know, he needs to be able to pass his health checks. He needs to be able to improve his blocking game. But if he is what we've seen in the limited amount of tape that we've seen from this player, he's going to be a vertical threat for some offense, assuming that he gets into a spread uh, scheme. Jalen Weidermeyer, tight end out of Texas A&M. Weidermeyer was the tight end one coming into this draft class at the start of this season. And I think that his production this season has caused many people to, you know, reevaluate whether that holds true. He's a junior who's 6'5", 265 pounds, and 21 years old. He, had a, he broke out really, really early at 18.7, and, you know, this season he had 40 catches for 515 yards and 4 touchdowns. The problem? Last season, he had 46 receptions, 506 yards, and 6 touchdowns. I mean, all in all, you could say that he really hasn't improved year over year. And it's really confusing because he looks the part of an NFL tight end. He's huge, he's athletic, his catching ability is there, and when the ball is in his hands, he's able to generate run after catch. He's strong, he's able to carry defenders, he's able to generate open field acceleration. And his route running ability is decent, you know, it's not well refined, but it's good enough to bring him into the NFL and then refine it wherever he goes. He uses his size in order to box out defenders, uh, he's able to use his frame in order to create a line of sight to the ball, and he's ultimately able to create leverage because of his size, which indicates that his football IQ is really, really strong, and he behaves like a power forward out there with that kind of size and strength. He has the highest potential given his raw ability, but the ultimate problem with Jalen Weidermeyer is that he just doesn't have the consistency when it comes to the run blocking or to the fact that, you know, he, he doesn't have the concentration uh, when it comes to pass catching. His run blocking is really, really inconsistent. He gets pushed off his spot really, really frequently, and it's fixable, but this can very much limit your time on the field. If one day, you know, one play you can really sustain your block, the next you're getting pushed off your spot, your effort differs play to play. For a player like him to make a consistent impact in the NFL, he's gonna need to do this consistently. Every play, repeatable, over and over and over again, and we just haven't seen that yet. 
On top of that, his production just didn't improve his junior year, and his PFF grade dropped. I mean, look, he went from 86.7 last year to 61.3. He dropped by a quarter, and that's just not what you want to see for a guy who you're expecting to break out in an offense like Texas A&M's. And he had eight drops on passes that were on target, which is like far and beyond the highest number of drops that I've seen from players in this draft class. The final thing about Jalen Weidermeyer is that he needs the open field in order to generate speed. He's not really fast, even for a tight end. And because of that, you know, he isn't going to be able to uh, outspeed defenders uh, in order to get open. But if he does get the ball in open field, you know, space, such as, you know, a, a release and flat route, or if he's able to find space and you're able to hit him in stride, he's going to be able to make an impact there. Uh, but as you can see, the byline with Jalen Weidermeyer is that He's raw, he's talented, and he looks the part, but he leaves a lot to be desired in the terms of his production and the way that he plays the game. If he realizes those things, he could be far and away the best tight end in this class. But the question is, will he be able to realize that? Trey McBride, Colorado State. McBride is a lot of people's top choice in this uh, tight end class. Um, and as a senior, you know, he's a pretty big guy, 6'4", 260 pounds, 22 years old, and he had a monster season this year, 90 receptions, 1,121 yards, and one touchdown, but a 34% target share. He just absolutely exploded his senior season. And his PFF grade just kept climbing and climbing and climbing from 83.6 to 86.2 to 94.7. Many people view him as a tight end one just because of the statistics that I've listed out so far. And he was the focal point of an offense and he was able to carry that offense with everyone knowing that the ball is going to be coming to him. His speed allows him to push the boundaries of a tight end's route tree. Um, you know, he is able to run vertical seam routes and he's able to beat linebackers pretty easily uh, because of his long strides. And that makes him really versatile. His route tree is really robust, and he's going to be able to port that over to the NFL really, really quickly. His production is also really consistent, at least four catches every game this season, and had a peak of 13 catches in one single game. And he was able to produce very, very frequently, uh, you know, due to his IQ. He is able to leverage the defensive coverage, and he's able to punish defenders, um, you know, for the specific scheme that they're running. He plays with a lot of football intelligence, and it's apparent when you look specifically at the example of how he runs when the defense is running zone. Most players would simply run their route as according to plan and, uh, you know, don't really consider the implications of who's covering them or how. But if you understand how zone coverage works, every person is responsible for a certain area on the field. And if that defender, uh, you know, is able to cover you in that area, they will. And if you're not in their area, you'll be passed off to another defender. Now, you can imagine that if I'm running between two guys, they kind of have a little bit of confusion. They are the maximum distance away from me, and they may not be able to catch me. But if I keep running, I might line myself up much closer to the defender, and because of that, they're going to be able to disrupt my ability to catch the ball. Smart players are able to go directly between all of those players and sit in the route so that they have the most open window in order to make an impact. And you'll see McBride do this time and time again against the opposition that he played against. 
Now, the big cons against McBride are the fact that he's simply a man amongst boys at Colorado State. Doesn't mean that he's not good, but it definitely means that, you know, his gaudy stats might be a little bit overinflated based on the types of players that he was playing against. And his inline blocking is mediocre as well. Um, he's really tough and he's really physical, but again, like with other players that I've talked about, that skill set needs to be improved. All in all, many folks will think McBride is the tight end one in this class because he has all-around ability, he's pretty good in a lot of different areas, and he's demonstrated it across his senior year. He has areas to improve, and unfortunately these things became apparent during the senior bowl practices and the game, where you could see guys like Isaiah Likely and even Cole Turner, you could see why those players have potential upside that is much higher than Trey McBride's. But when you look at the production that McBride brings, I think that you can expect him to see probably, you know, be drafted in the second round or, uh, you know, in the third round. And he's going to be making an impact for an NFL team sooner rather than later. Isaiah Likely, tight end out of Coastal Carolina. Isaiah Likely is a senior who's 6'4", 240 pounds, and 21.8 years old. This past season, he had 52 catches for 816 yards and 10 touchdowns. And he's been building up his tight end skill set every single year, and that's led to a lot of accolades. He's been all Sunbelt first team twice, he was a Mackey Award semifinalist, and he was on the Bolitnikoff uh, watch list coming into this season. If you look at the pros, Isaiah likely is really electric. His peak game this season was against Arkansas State, where he had 8 catches for 232 yards and 4 touchdowns. Just an absolute monster. Really athletic, really fast, and stretches the field. And he has the vertical speed in order to accelerate in his routes and then to get away from defenders, which means that he is really a threat that def defenses have to watch at all times. His hands are awesome, he tracks the ball, he's able to high point it, and then out jump defenders in order to go get that ball. That ball is mine, and he makes sure that everyone knows that that ball is coming to him. His concentration is great too. If you take a look at a couple of these clips, I mean, he is able to tip the ball to himself. If he has a lapse in judgment, he's able to still correct and prevent those drops from occurring. And in this past season, he only had one dropped ball the entire year. When we're talking about the deep routes that he runs, he's able to track deep balls, he's able to run these routes that are able to really leverage his frame and his athleticism, and his yards per route run is up to three times higher than a lot of guys in this list. I mean, last year, or in 2021, he had three yards per route run, and in 2020, he had 2.75 yards per route run. So that means that he's just running deeper, more sophisticated routes. And his blocking is really strong too. I mean, he's been used as a blocker out of the backfield for running plays, in line for running plays. He's a pass blocker, and he's even been lined up wide in order to be a blocker for other wide receiver screens. He's shown a propensity for being really, really effective in just about every single way that a tight end could be used in an offense, which is allowing a lot of scouts to call him a player that can unlock the potential for many NFL offenses. 
I will say some of the things um, that likely has to improve are, you know, his blocking strength. That is something that I'm seeing as a common theme that many scouts see for these players coming out of college. They just need to get stronger and they need to be able to sustain their blocks for a lot longer because they're going to struggle when they have to block these powerful DNs. I mean, imagine blocking one of the Bosa brothers. It's going to be really, really difficult for a player like uh, Isaiah Likely or, or anybody really on this list coming out of college college to do that out of the box, and so they're going to need to develop that skill set. Isaiah Likely is also going to need to round out his uh, route running ability because well, rounding out is exactly what he does right now. Because he can leverage uh, you know, his existing size and his existing frame, he tends to round out, i.e. not run super sharp in routes and cut routes because he can just kind of, you know, lazily run kind of instead of an in route or an out route, he can just kind of cut a corner and the ball will reach and he'll be able to catch the ball and, and all of those types of things. It is not something that he's going to be able to get away with in the NFL because technically is what decides whether the DB is going to win or you're going to win. And in the NFL, he's going to need to be able to make those routes uh, occur a lot sharper. The biggest criticism is ultimately his size. Uh, every scouting report that I've read for likely indicates that he's just going to need to get bigger and stronger. But again, all of the cons that I've listed about his profile are really fixable things that are just going to be, uh, you know, requiring time in the weight room and time on the practice field, uh, you know, rounding out these uh, skill sets for likely. The byline is that he's a really versatile player. He's my tight end one in this class, and I think that he's going to be an offensive weapon for any team that gets him. So you better watch out if your team is the one who drafts likely because he's going to unlock a lot of awesome things. And so that brings us to the end of today's episode. As you can see, the tight ends in this class are really robust. They've got their pros, they've got their cons, uh, and a lot of them are going to be dependent on the scheme that they end up in. Some of them are really good blockers. Some of them are really good at catching the ball. Some of them are really good at catching the ball and making an impact after the play. Some of them have a lot of areas left to be desired. All in all, I'm super excited to see how these tight ends end up getting drafted and what type of situations they end up being in. Thanks for watching today's video. If you liked our video today, please make sure to subscribe and like this video and comment below and tell me who you think is going to be the best tight end from this draft class. I'm your host, Abhigupta. Remember, you can catch me at RealAbhigupta on Twitter. Make sure to check out our other videos on this NFL draft class as well. Thanks. Catch you on the next one.